podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's show, we have Henry Lopez. He is dedicated to helping others start, run, and grow their small businesses. Henry has over 34 years of diverse business experience, including successful careers in the information technology industry, sales, sales training, and business ownership. He has been directly involved in over 10 different small businesses since purchasing his first business in 1991. He has developed and launched his own businesses and bought and sold businesses as well. Henry also serves as a volunteer score mentor. Hey, Henry, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, Ethan, thanks for having me. Chris, how are you? Doing great, Henry. It's a real treat to have you here. We oftentimes have entrepreneurs that have a lot of experience, but they're kind of siloed experience. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun talking with someone who has experience in a lot of different industries. I think that the take that you're going to have on a new business idea is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it as well. So yeah, let's dive right into it. Tell us about the business idea that you would like our listeners to run with. So you know, this is an idea that has been in my head and I even had put together... I have my file here that I pulled out. I had put together kind of an outline of it back in 2008. (laughs) This is the date I have on this. And I keep scrolling around. Back then, it was I thought it would maybe even be more appropriate. But as I thought about this, as I was thinking of a, an idea to share, it's still something that I think could have some relevancy. And it's what I'm calling, I think in the stuff I filled out, I called it hyper-local online business directory. To kind of explain it at a high level, one of the things I did early on is I bought a bunch of domains. I live in a suburban city of Dallas called Coppell. And so I bought coppel411.com. This is as a side note back when I was going through a whole rash of buying up domain names. (laughs) And I just recently purged a bunch of them, by the way. But I own like 200 different domains because I'm one of those guys. I get an idea and I say, oh, let me go get the domain. right? So I bought a bunch of city411.coms in my area with the idea that what I thought was lacking then and I still think is lacking, maybe even more so now, is a hyper-local business directory, online business directory. In our Coppell community, just to go off of that, uh, about forty to 50,000 residents, suburban city, we're our own proper city, probably 15 square miles. And so not unlike a lot of community like ours, you have some level of civic pride, community pride, and people want to support local businesses. But beyond I drive down our main street and see the obvious brick and mortar locations, it's hard to get that anywhere. If you do a Google search, it's somewhat local, right? Google will still serve you related businesses, other businesses that may or may not be really based in Coppell. That was the seed of the idea, a hyper-local online directory of businesses that serve my community and allow me then as a resident to support that truly local business. That's interesting. You know, I just moved from New York City to the Chicago suburb and I've been there about a year and a half now. And I feel like I'm just finally getting to 
meet, you know, oh yeah, who are the people that own businesses in that area? And I find it very interesting. Like it's just kind of taken me that long to figure out what's the way to do that. I, it's not like I haven't kind of, I went to chamber commerce events and stuff like that. But there's other people that aren't in those organizations that you don't meet. And on top of that, I know that there's some really interesting things you could do on the hyper local level. You know, these coupon packs and things like that, that people get in the mail. I believe it's a pretty lucrative business just to kind of put some coupon packs together and get them sent out to people in a local area so they know what kind of deals are around. Right. And then so related to that, I was a realtor amongst other things back in my career. I was a realtor for five years because I wanted to get into real estate investments. And so back then, and you still see a version of it, they used to call it a, a welcoming package that every new homeowner would get. And then it would be coupons of local businesses along that idea as well. Because when you move into a new community, again, you want to be supportive of that new community and find out who's the local dentist, who's the local doctor. But beyond that, you know, where do I go for this service or that service? Or what's, you know, what's the best auto shop to go to? Those kind of things. And I think that the online search now, while it makes it easier to find those things, I think it convolutes a little bit as to who's really a local business or not. That's exactly where I'm going with my train of thought here. A cynical listener, perhaps a skeptical one, maybe is a more generous term, may hear this idea and think, well, you know, Google is not perfect at it, but they're not bad. And there's also Yelp out there that I can cross check. You hear this kind of guidance for breakthrough technology that needs to be 10 times better than uh, the existing solution in order for someone to change their behavior. How can an idea like this, how can this business idea be 10 times better than Google or than Yelp? I think it's going to have to be, if it can possibly be, it would have to be because you really exploit the local aspect of it. So let me answer it this way in part, Chris. One of the things that I also thought about when I was thinking about this is we had a version, we actually have a couple of versions of very local, small little newspapers. One of our big newspapers, the Star-Telegram, has a pseudo-local paper. But I also see it as one of the ways you can make this even more hyper-local is to provide community content that's produced, that's written or created by local residents as well. So I think that one of the things, while I think Google reviews, especially now, has really changed the landscape and even is killing Yelp from my perspective, particularly as a restaurant owner. And so that's going to be hard for me to have a 10x improvement over that. I think it'll be about the truly local content that is going to be what'll differentiate me to Google. I think that's where it's at. So as you're saying that, I'm kind of picturing almost a social media type feed where residents can come to a, an ice cream shop and say, oh, this flavor this week is awesome. You need to show up and check that out. If I think about my Facebook feed, it's people from all over the world. There are some people in Pittsburgh there. And even that's not exactly where I live. I'm 30 minutes outside the city. Is that kind of the direction that you're thinking with it? Well, I could see us facilitating that, but likely what I would might do, what I might do is just not try to beat Google at their reviews game. Instead, share those reviews as you can onto my portal. I think it's unrealistic to think that I'm going to replace either Yelp or Google reviews and people's top of mind as to where I go to leave this business or review. But I could certainly share those reviews for that business. But if I have a more involved conversation, so to your point, what I think about is what we do have in Coppell, for example, is a community Facebook page. 
And the administrators of that page try as best they can to make sure the only people who are offering their goods and services are actually local to Coppell. But, you know, these people are doing this as a hobby at best, right? It's not their business. So they vet it best they can. But I think to your point, it's more would be those kind of discussions, maybe, or maybe it would be in combination with a Facebook page that is the community aspect of it. I'm not sure. I don't think it's realistic to think that I'm going to replace Google or Yelp reviews, though. I think I would have to tap into that source of reviews and share those on my page. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't think there's a reason to replicate the review system that exists right now. I think it's more, as you're talking, I'm thinking the thing that's missing in online communities still in 2020, which is surprising, is an actual feeling of community. Facebook had that a little bit when they first started and it was just college students. It didn't need to be just college students. It's not about that. It's more that it's a smaller group of people that you feel like you can share more of an authentic self with because you're not putting it out to the entire world. And then think about how is this managed right now? And it's not really... There are in-person places where this happens like coffee shops or your YMCA has community boards and they'll have meetings, the library. But there isn't a place that I could go to online to hang out with people from Leedsdale, Pennsylvania. Not necessarily even hang out, but just share, hey, what happened to the leaf pickup last Wednesday? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's interesting. And so it could be that a component of it, and I don't know if I had it in my initial, you know, <laughs> back then what I had done is I kind of laid out, you know, what would the website look like? I had the idea of the business directory, news and information, that kind of thing. But your point is a good one. I just wonder if maybe the way you would do it still would be through a platform like Facebook. You know, the challenge to your point, there's two challenges, first of all, that brought to mind as you were explaining that, Chris. From a business perspective, from a business owner's perspective, me having been a business owner, I am a business owner. The thing that I'm going to be sensitive to is reviews that are critical of my business, right? So there's a balancing act. And in my model, as we'll get to in a moment, I'm going to monetize this because the business owner is going to want to pay me to enhance their listing. So there's a tricky balance there on maintaining transparency and having it be an honest community of sharing of opinions and ideas, but it not turning into Yelp. I can tell you as a restaurant owner, Yelp was my enemy. And I was so glad to see them go away and Google taking over because I feel Google reviews is doing a much better job. It's not perfect, but it's doing a much better job of making sure those reviews are, are at least seemingly valid, right? Yelp had the audacity of having these reviews that maybe weren't good for me and then calling me and asking me to pay them to sponsor my listing. That's the thing I'm trying to avoid there as well, thinking about it from the business owner's perspective. When I think about this, I do think of what I mentioned earlier, which is you know these kind of coupon packs and these kind of member cards. You can get a card and then you get discounts at local places. So it may just be that there's some way to incorporate all of these things in a way where you don't get down that runaway path that Yelp can get down where they've been referred to as almost like the mafia and you just got to pay so that you don't get hurt, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Exactly right. And maybe we don't do reviews at all, guys, because of how, what a tricky thing it is to moderate, to balance People who want to share their opinion very strongly, but business owners who are like, well, wait a second, that never really happened. I don't know. Maybe we stay out of that altogether. You had mentioned the Chamber of Commerce, and, and I volunteered the Chamber of Commerce. As you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a SCORE mentor. The challenge with going to the Chamber of Commerce as a new resident or even an existing resident is, again, the Chamber doesn't say you can only be a member 
if you operate out of Coppell. That's not the rule. So anybody can be a member of the chamber if they're willing to pay the fee. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. You could have a national chain and they have a local member, right? Absolutely. Or somebody who actually is based in a neighboring town. And that doesn't mean they don't offer services. And that's, by the way, we'll get into it. That's the tricky part. How do I manage services? So, you know, the air conditioning company who's been serving Coppell forever, but they happen to be based in Carrollton, which is the next town over. Is that local or not? You know, so that's tricky. I think you did a good job of defining the problem and sketching the solution to the extent that we need to here to start diving in. So let's talk about the business model. What are some of the things that come up when you think about this business model? In, in what way, Chris, as to how I'm going to monetize it or operate it or both? Or Yeah, I guess first, how you're going to operate it. What are some of the steps that you would take? And along the way, what are some of the monetization, highlighting the monetization aspects of it? Sure, sure. So I do envision it obviously as a website, at least that was the original idea I had. So it would be about building version one. I'm a big believer, and I'm sure we'll talk about this throughout this. That, And one of the things I love about virtual businesses like this is it does, of course, allow itself to the iteration model, to the MVP approach. Which telling you, having started with brick and mortar businesses and then having done a combination, that's the beauty of it, right? Something like this that you can start very small, get version one out there, see how it responds, get some feedback, and then iterate. So the initial, initially what I was envisioning would be an online directory. What I did is I canvassed all of Coppell and put together a list. I put it in an Excel spreadsheet, a list of, it ended up being several hundred businesses that were based in Coppell, that had offices in Coppell. So I would probably have started with getting that list and making that list accessible online for free, then putting some money behind a local marketing campaign to play off of the Coppell411.com and start to get some eyeballs on it, start to get some traction on it. This is good for the listener that you've started many businesses. You've run businesses, you take over businesses, franchises, all sorts of things. Just to know that you've started along this path, some things that you've done, you know, purchased a domain, another one be to do what you said is canvas and go create this list of businesses. A relatively simple thing to do to get started, which anybody could do this in their own neighborhood. Doesn't cost much money, just takes some effort, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'll add this. From my own, I've been walking around my neighborhood lately. Just I'll just walk in a business. It may not be something I'm interested in as far as the products or services, but just say, oh, hey, I, I like to chat business. And it's, it is. It's kind of fun sometimes. You go around and you meet people. Is that part of what you did? Did you actually walk around? I did, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's to your point, Ethan, I think you know, as, as business people ourselves, there's no greater conversation than having a conversation with another business owner. And it is, it's always surprising to me. I always tell this to young people or not even young people, people who are getting into business. You'll be surprised of how much other business owners will share with you because they're like us. They're passionate about business. They love talking about it. Now, they may not share their P&L with you, but you would be surprised at how much they will share with you if you are honestly seeking their input, their thoughts, their ideas. It's amazing. And it's great to have those conversations with other business owners. Because I always talk about this on my show, being a business owner can be very isolating. And so that alone was worth it. And you hear things that you may not otherwise know about as to what's going on in the business community, opportunities, things that are trending, issues, challenges. You hear a lot of that stuff as well in those conversations. 
This has come up before with us, with, with other ideas, but there's actually some business ideas which there's a value in and of itself to some of the action steps you take to get started. We talked about somebody doing the installs of smart home technology, things like that. And, you know, we started out with that theme, but we thought, well, you know what? You're going to meet all these people. You go into their homes. You might be able to then also become the person that refers them other business that they need things done in the home services and so on and so forth. Yeah. You guys also talked about that in the episode. The guy had the idea about the dentist office and calling in and asking questions. Mm -hmm. Similarly, right? You can uncover things just by having those conversations that might completely pivot you off of the idea that you started with. I would highly recommend this to the listener who's just like trying to figure out what kind of business they want to start. They're really into entrepreneurship. They're curious about how to spend their time. Quote unquote, start this business. And that just means go around your neighborhood and meet all the entrepreneurs that are around, try to do a little bit of a treasure hunt, try to figure out you know, where they're hiding. Some people are on the third floor of a, an office building you never thought about, and they're doing something really cool that you didn't know about. And just start making that list. And if you never start the website, you probably, you just earned a lot of value by meeting people. Yeah, I agree. It's a great point because I think, as you guys have articulated, It'll be interesting also what those owners will tell you. Here's my real problem, Henry. And then you start to hear that repeatedly, let's say, and now you've got something if it's not even what you started with, to your point. I was thinking ahead to, at this point, it it can seem like there's a lot of work involved. You're talking about compiling 600 business owners. What's the carrot out there for it? How much money do you think someone can earn doing this? And I know that we were talking about kind of the intangible carrot of meeting different business owners and learning and improving yourself that way. But if this is something that you are doing uh, to also bring some income to your family, how much do you think is possible? I don't know. So I never got that far. And it was probably one of the reasons why this never became a project that became full focus for me. I do know that as I'm looking at my notes, so I answer it this way in a roundabout way, Chris, and maybe get back to it. Even back then, the whole idea of having it be a subscription model to the business owner for that enhanced listing, let's just generally call that now before we break it down. Now, if you think about it now, how important and how adopted it is to go with the subscription model, I guess the math that I would do is I would say, okay, what percentage of those 600 businesses might subscribe to my monthly program for some level of enhancement to their listing and at what rate? I was thinking maybe 25 bucks a month for that business, which sounds really low. But I know as a small business owner that I get bombarded from all different avenues from an advertising and marketing perspective, and it adds up. So I thought that maybe at a price point that's kind of not a no-brainer, but it's all right that that's recurring on my credit card. So that's kind of as far as I got with it, Chris. I don't know. I don't know what the full potential of it would be because I didn't run the numbers that far. Let's kick around some more ideas that we could monetize this through. First thing that comes to mind, let's say you're in a small town, 40,000, 50,000 people, I think is what you had filled out in the form. If you have a list, you wouldn't capture all those people. But if you have an extremely targeted list of people who sign up for this, they're interested in businesses in the area, that's worth something. So you can sell advertisements in a weekly email. I don't know if anyone's done this with a podcast format, but I'm curious... I keep thinking, is there potential there for a hyper-local podcast? 
I've thought about that. Yeah. I, I've played around with that idea. I wanted to partner initially with the Chamber of Commerce and not because they didn't reject the idea. I never, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. What do you focus on? But I do think that's a good idea. What if it's a site that actually, I know it's easier to often to get money from business owners because they're the ones who understand, you know, the monetization of, oh, I'm paying, I get leads, I get more business. But it could have another aspect where it's like a local member site. So it kind of goes along with that. I have a card, like a discount card or something. So 25 bucks, uh, well, in, in that case, those things might end up being like 25 bucks a year, the kind of rate for that. But there could be an, a case, depending on the kind of discounts and deals you could offer to the local population to pay 5, 10, up to 25 bucks a month. And I'm just a member of that local site. And there's some type of login so that when I get in there, maybe I see deals that nobody else sees or, or I see businesses. I learn about businesses, things that other people aren't going to learn. So a freemium kind of approach where everybody gets access to the basic list, but your membership gets you access to something more. And I would think that I'd need to be able to make sure that's something that can actually realize in a way of savings or discounts or something, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, me too. I think that's a great idea. And of course, when I came up with this idea... Apps had just kind of come on to them. Well, around 2008, when was the when was the iPhone released? Around that time, or so? 2007. 2007. So, I hadn't even thought about an app at that point, but certainly there would be an app component to this. I would think at least a basic one to be able to search the directory. I wonder if you could partner with a very common local business. I guess it doesn't have to be common. If you're just going to do it in one market, that's fine. But partner with a local business that also has a subscription model. So that maybe you can just piggyback on them. Of course, so the first things that came to mind are probably not feasible, but like water bills, you know, electricity bills. There's things that people pay that have to do with their kind of home, their domicile, their neighborhood, and they're going to pay it monthly anyway. And you say, hey, would you like to be a member of like the local business directory uh, where you get lots of deals? You can see special things about the local businesses. And then we just add that on to your monthly bill of five bucks or whatever. Hmm, interesting. What if you did that with, uh, you know, in some communities, like I mentioned, there are those local little, truly local newspapers that sell subscriptions. That might be another party that might be interesting in partnering that way, where you get for your subscription for an additional five bucks or whatever it might be. You also get the uh, premium level access to the site. That's interesting thinking a little bit outside the box here, right? We've talked about member cards and how this kind of has a, a little bit of an overlap, right? Because there's often a bunch of businesses that are related to that. And then we talked about it being a website. We talked about it being an app. And I think there's sort of this potential then for just the app is kind of like the card. So we used to be a plastic card. Nobody wants to carry a plastic card around in their wallet anyways. So maybe it's more of a, a local business member card thing. It's an app. You got a little scan thing. It's location aware, right? So it might tell me, hey, I'm happy to be in the shopping center. Two doors down, they're offering something. Yeah. There you go. This is it. Because that technology is there. I don't have to invent that. It's a location aware app that when you walk by various businesses, they pay. Or drive by or they yeah, pay exactly. to send you an alert. 
Yeah. My Coppell area is very classic suburban strip shopping centers. So I go to the the gym and there are, you know, 10 other businesses in that shopping center, including CC's Pizza that might have a take to go special after I've worked out. Right. But yeah, something like that. If you want to get geeky about it, it could be really interesting. Right. So let's say I'm walking by the local coffee shop and it's literally detecting my location. And I walked by, but I don't go in. It's clear that I kind of went in front of it. I moved forward and I kept going past. Once I get like, you know, at the end of the block, a little alert goes in and it says, hey, you sure you didn't want to get a coffee? Because if you do, there's a 50% discount for the next, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes or something like that. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. And then Chris kind of flipped us a little bit here on the business model. So obviously... There's not a lot of money in doing this for Coppell, right? I mean, I see it as a side hustle at best. But what if what this became is that you create the platform for others to do this in their local communities as a side hustle? So as an example, I don't know if you have it in your area and they're kind of dying out. But when I first moved to Coppell, there was this like pseudo hyperlocal newspaper-ish kind of three or four page that you would find at the coffee shop or the donut shop. They gave you something to read and it was local. And those are, it's a franchise. There's various of them. And uh, I knew somebody who owned the local franchise. You owned it for multiple cities because that's the only way you could kind of make a little bit of money at it. But it was kind of a, an example of a hyper-local newspaper that people would grab when they needed something to read while they're having their coffee. But that led me to then think that that kind of that model, what that local person who owned that franchise was doing was tapping into a company that had it all set up and you just plugged in the data and you know you were delivered the printed newspaper, right? Similarly here, what if this became a platform that you developed once you tested it, that then you offer either through a licensing or some kind of franchising model to you and your suburb of Chicago for you to do this? You don't have to worry about the technical aspects. You just have to worry about the community aspects of it. Building off that, you could also sell it to the communities themselves. And you could pitch it to them as, hey, you don't want to be attached to Facebook. Facebook's got a bad name right now. And it's not getting better for 100 bucks a month, whatever it is. You can have this platform that is going to keep business local, going to help promote your community. And you don't have to worry about all the technical aspects. You don't have to pay some, a full-time web developer to manage your platform. That's right. Yeah, you would. I would think you'd want to do that, Chris, at the city level, because as we said, at the chamber level, the chamber has a broader reach and they, you know, anybody can come. But the city has that very specific purpose. How do we get businesses to stay and prosper within our city limits? Because they're paying taxes. So yeah, I like that idea as well as maybe offering it to them as that, as that platform that they brand, but they don't have to worry about the technology side of it. They would still have to own, I guess, obviously, the getting it uh, loaded, getting the content in there, but they'd have the technical platform for it. Interesting thing about that is the governments probably have some sort of budget for local business investment and development. So they can put some money into that service. And you also have the potential to to kind of track the results, right? You can, I mean, you could do some really, really good for some small communities, right? Uh, we went into this community, we provided this app, you know, the local businesses got on board and the economy improved in this way, you know, and now they're developing more and they're building new things. And this community is really flourishing. Look, at, don't you want your community to be like this community? And you can get the app and it can help with the local business. 
Yeah, I like that. And you could also, obviously, as you always do with these types of things, you could offer a service component to this to help them get ramped up, right? Or you might partner with somebody locally to help them get it ramped up. I'm picturing, as an analogy, a bank and a co-op. I haven't quite figured it out in my head, but it's owned and managed by the businesses themselves. They, they have the platform. They're in charge in some way. That, you know, that's not necessarily what we're talking about here, but there's something there with, in terms of marketing, in giving the cities power back to manage their own platform. You don't have to be subservient to Google or to Facebook or to Yelp. You guys are in charge. We'll provide the structure for you, but it's yours. Yeah. And along those lines, Chris, again, at, at the outset, we're talking about this is about the consumer then feeling like they really are contributing to their local economy, their truly hyper local economy. And those local business owners feeling like, hey, I can actually be seen and rewarded for being in this community. There's also benefits. You know, you look at like Walmart, you know, some great deals for people that flock there to buy whatever for the cheapest. But what can tend to happen over time is then all the local businesses, kind of get shut down that we're providing some of those services and people don't think about it while it's happening. And then it's like, all you got is a big Walmart in your town. (laughs) Right. But do we not allow Walmart on the listing though? What are your thoughts there, Ethan? Well, I thought that was sort of what you thought was useful about it was to say it's something where it has to have a local component, right? It's not like Starbucks. It's not like, or, or is that not the intention? No, but it's a good point to discuss. My initial list was just, do you have a physical location in my city? Not do, uh, are you owned by a corporation or not? But that would be an interesting qualifier. And maybe that is one way that I can filter this list. And maybe I could verify that it is a locally owned and operated business, you know? Okay, got it. Because I can't get that anywhere right now, except for if I go to that business's website and they tell me that they are, right? So that would be an interesting component to it. But no, the list I had originally compiled was every business that had a physical address in Coppell. Okay, just a physical address. That's right. Could be like a Starbucks. It could be like a Burger King or something like that. Yes. Okay, got it. That's a compelling point because to everything that we've talked about, what if as a consumer, that's the choice I want to make is to really reward where possible those businesses that are truly locally or independently owned. Well, I think that there's things that communities are already doing, but I don't think a lot of them have figured out how to do it, which reward these type of local businesses and create these little, you know, it's pleasant. Like the community that I live in, for example, there's some franchises here and there, but they've, I feel like there's an intentional, a good example is like there's a main street, right? And it's the same street when you get out of the downtown area, it's a two-way street. But when you get to the downtown area, it's a one-way street. It's almost geared to like direct you around that. So if you want to go faster, right? So like people have to drive slow in the downtown area and people can walk around and it just feels less busy and bustling. And I mean, bustling in a people way, not like a traffic way. And so there's things you could do in an intentional way to make the community feel warmer, basically. And I'm thinking that people want that, but it's kind of such a roundabout thing to achieve you know, they also want good deals, right? Financially. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my issue, by the way. You know, that was, that was one of the reasons I was kind of asking you about Walmart because I'm one of those, I get what people are saying and what you're saying, but at the same time, well, then why are these people going to the Walmart, right? Well, yeah. Part of it is, of course, led to your point, maybe convenience or maybe I don't know I can get the same thing. 
But yeah, that's an interesting point. We have the same thing in Coppell where we have an old town Coppell and it's only had mediocre success, interestingly enough, in our town. Right. And then people lament when it disappears. I know it's quaint. It's romantic. It's it's uh, but I don't know. People are still shopping on the main road that we have because it's easy, it's convenient. And I think the convenience component is a big part of it today. Right. Yeah. I keep thinking about bookstores. I love going into bookstores, but don't often buy books in them, unfortunately. And there has to be something that small businesses can do that can even the playing field to some extent. It's hard for me to go into a bookstore and pay $26 for something that I can buy for 10 bucks on Amazon. I buy a good number of books. Here's an example. It's not the direct right example, but it's, it's kind of what I'm thinking about how this works. A lot of people do this. They go to a local business, they find a product that they like, and then they look it up online and then they order it. Unfortunate here where the value is being stolen, right? It's somebody has a physical location. So the, the web site basically stole the physical location from the person who has the physical location because they wanted to actually see the item in person. And that was all done for free. And there is a problem with that, right? Because if we, you know, even Amazon now is going and opening physical locations because they know people want something like that. I mean, Best Buy has been Amazon's showroom for quite some time now, right? But to your point and your question, Chris, I don't, that's not a problem I'm trying to solve here. So let me clarify that because as a business owner, I am a realist in realizing that what I have to do as a business owner and as an entrepreneur is figure out what type of business isn't going to be consumed by Amazon or the next player that comes online, right? That's on me. That's why partly I was challenging on the, on the Walmart. If I think that I'm going to keep my customers and have a thriving business on nostalgia alone, then you know, maybe I can do it with the nostalgic candy shop in, on Main Street. But other than that, I have to be a realist and I got to stop bemoaning and figure out what business isn't going to get dislocated by somebody like Amazon, right? That's my perspective as a business owner. However, as a business owner, what I'm frustrated with is getting the message out that, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm a local business owner. I pay taxes in this community. I live here. How do I let people know that, hey, if that's important to you, I'm here? How do I compete so that when I do, somebody does a Google search, they don't see five other people that aren't really here in the community like I am? That's how I want to stand out as a business owner. Let's get back to some of the action steps. I think this is really good overarching discussion here. You outlined some very clear and easy to follow action steps to start with. How much time do you think it would take to get something like this going? You mentioned it's probably a long, long ramp up. Well, you know, nowadays, when I designed this, I didn't know about WordPress websites or Wix or any of those. I mean, now I can build a WordPress website myself. Now, you know, albeit I do have a technical background, so that helps me. My career, I started as a computer programmer back in the 80s. So I'm comfortable around technology. But you guys know, or you can have somebody build these things very inexpensively nowadays. So I think that building version one of this is not that complicated. I think, and knowing now kind of what it costs to build a basic informational website, and that's what I would do. It would just be a website that has this listing, maybe some filtering capabilities as we start to add that. I don't know. You're talking maybe a few thousand dollars and maybe a couple of months at the most to design. What do you guys think? To build the site itself, I think you can do that really quickly, potentially even in a, I think in a so weekend too. if you really... 
you know, if you're really committed to it and you have some understanding of WordPress, if you wanted to use something like Wix and you don't have that technical background to understand WordPress, then you could do that to get started. I guess I'm, I'm picturing... I don't see that as the hard part. I'm seeing more of the you know, getting people to the site, getting them using it, getting business owners to see the value of it because there's going to be... You know, there's, it's a network effect business. You need people to show up there and you need business owners to be there and they're going to work off of each other to make this valuable. Yeah. And nobody's going to give me any money if there's no traction, right? So you're absolutely right. And then there's also building lists. You know, So this list, I didn't track how long it took me, but this is going to take some work because I started now with Google, it would make it somewhat easier because I could map it, but there's still work in building the initial list. But I thought to your point, Chris, that part of the reason I liked the whole Coppel 411 and I got several other places, I could play off of that and maybe do a clever marketing campaign around that. Do you know the 411 or have you met 411 or something, you know, a little bit of guerrilla tactics, some clever marketing to kind of build some interest and intrigue on what is Coppel 411? So that was my thought there. So how much budget would I put behind that? I don't know. That's something I'd have to give some thought at. But I would certainly be creative about it and be hyper-local, which shouldn't be as expensive. So am I answering your question, Chris, on how I would go about building this in time? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing you could do to, to get some basic information, get started building. And again, I know we talked about building and then there's also demonetizing, but just go to your local community government website and they'll probably have some listings of the businesses, but they're not really concerned with marketing all that or you know, they're just, it's there to be there and not a lot of people are going to visit. You can steal that content. Nobody cares if you steal listings of local businesses to promote them. You know, Nobody loses that already had that content up. And you can take it and just create a site that duplicates the information and what you do is now... You know, you can contact the people that are listed there to talk to them about paying a fee to get involved. You could just walk around the neighborhood. Again, you could meet local neighbors and things like that or send out flyers and say, hey, you know, submit your email. We'll put you on this email list. We'll start sending you emails. Are you tired of getting those coupons in the mail? We'll start sending you emails about deals that are from local businesses. And that way you build an email list. And that's what attracts the businesses that now you've got because now they have an audience that just local individuals, as opposed to, you know, who knows who, who knows what. They may not even have an email list. Yeah. The other thing I would do is uh, I would create some, some simple marketing collateral, maybe a sticker with the logo, because I had even mocked up a logo. And I would go to, you know, a handful of a time of the businesses that I know or I'm identifying that are truly locally owned, especially those that are owner operated, and say, hey, I've created this new site. It's free. I'd just like to be able to put a sticker in your window or some marketing information. We're going to be promoting your business as a hyper, as a truly local owned business. And I don't think I'm going to get too much pushback, I think. My thought is I won't get too much pushback because that owner, first of all, I'm not asking for any money right now or at all, doesn't enter that conversation. But I, I'm telling you, I'm promoting truly local businesses. In fact, it's called Coppel 411. Can I leave you this information for you to display? Or can I put it up on the bulletin board to your point earlier? And I think that I could probably get some good early traction that way. And then people start, what is that Coppell 411? First of all, because it has the name on it and that's purposeful, it's like when, when people use our own name, right? People look at that. So that's, I, to me, that was part of the marketing, at least the initial marketing campaign efforts. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. 
our logo had, you know, kind of the first mock-ups was playing off the yellow, you know, the, the yellow pages. And because some of us still remember yellow pages and there might be an association there when people say, huh, it sounds like, I think that might be a directory of businesses. Let me go find out. I had Capel spelled incorrectly the entire time. We were talking to my mind. Ah, well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not uncommon because people, when they see this spelling, they say couple. Yeah. So yeah, oh, that's funny. Henry, we're coming up on time here. Thank you very much for this idea. You've given our listeners a lot of food for thought and tackling a really interesting topic. It's almost a, it's a meta topic because it's going to help a lot of businesses out there and in, in, uh, all across the US and if not the world, if people go and, and run this idea. Listeners, if you like what Henry has shared here and you feel you know energized by it and you want to take some action, do so. Follow through, email us with what you've done at update at runwithit.fm. Everyone who responds will gain access to our private Facebook group of action takers. And one lucky listener will earn a free mentoring session with Henry and potentially a business partnership. Henry, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure. Where can people go to learn more about you? Uh, The best place to go is to thehowabusiness.com. At thehowabusiness.com, you'll find more about me, my coaching services, and the How a Business podcast. Great. Very cool. Thank you so much, Henry. Looking forward my to pleasure. hearing what listeners come back with. And we'll talk to you later on. Thank you. All right. Great. Awesome. Now it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.